warm welcome back to all my listeners. This is Domestic Abuse, The Cutting Edge. I am Maz, your podcast host. I'm a domestic abuse survivor and a warrior on a mission to fight the battle to emancipate others who suffer at the hands of their abusers, victims who are living with the devastation of domestic abuse. For this episode, I need to give a trigger warning. Some of the detail will contain descriptions of abuse and violence. If you have been or are affected by domestic abuse or know someone who may be affected and want to reach out for help, please call or email the National Domestic Abuse Helpline 0808-200-267. It's a free phone and it's confidential. Or you can leave a message by completing a form on their website, nationaldahelpline.org.uk. John went AWOL after finding out I was pregnant and after I refused his demand for an abortion. He had shacked up with Molly. Meanwhile, I returned to work, but it wasn't easy. With the morning sickness, for me, it was chronic. I had really severe morning sickness. I was doing okay by myself and stoically refrained from contacting John until the day of my first scan. I felt a bit emotional. I called him to see if he wanted to attend but he refused. So three months down the line, I was possibly about four months pregnant by then, I get a call from John after not hearing from him all this time. He was remorseful, crying on the phone, saying he regrets his actions, he wants to come back into the fold. Part of me knew this was a mistake, but the pregnancy left me feeling emotional attachment and the pull of that was was too strong for me to resist. I was already trauma-bonded to John. He practically went on his knees begging for forgiveness and pledged his undying love to me and our unborn child. This would again be a pivotal point in our relationship where if I were to have a redo, this would be the point I would turn and run as far as possible from John. The serious consequences of taking him back into my life resulted in a rapid escalation of domestic abuse and to my total destruction. John came back into my life with big promises and for a while life was really sweet. He was docile and caring. And that's the thing about abusive relationships. That's that's how the cycle continues. There are moments of joy and quiet in between the violent wreckage, which makes it even harder to leave because you hang on to the good bits, convincing yourself he's not all bad and hoping it will all one day always be sweet. John had told me that Molly was a rebound and nothing more and that it was over because he chose me and our unborn baby. The thing is with narcissistic psychopaths is that they are pathological liars and they are very, very good at it. He had never ended it with Molly. The reason why he came crawling back to me was because Molly's roommates picked up on his narcissistic behavior and his aggressive attitude toward her and they set an ultimatum to Molly that if he did not move out of the house, there would be a problem. He was back with me while all along seeing her playing us both. John was lying and became more and more agitated each time I questioned him about Molly. He had no intention of breaking it off with her, but neither was he going to leave the comfort of the roof over his head that I provided. He needed to shut me up, weaken and break me down and control me again in order to get what he wants 
whenever he wants. So the physical abuse started and it escalated rapidly. I was four months pregnant, carrying large and wide, when the violent physical abuse escalated to life-threatening scenarios for both me and my unborn child. The triangle between him, me and Molly continued and with it his guilt and lies which fed the escalation of physical violence toward me all through my pregnancy and beyond. You may be judging me now and saying why would I not free myself from this monster of a man and again I remind you of the chained elephant who was trained to stay put trained to believe that she could not free herself. I had been manipulated and broken down too much by John for too long for me to maintain my sense of self. I know this sounds unfathomable that anyone could love a man like John. The truth is, I loved him. And what became true for me was our trauma bonds. Every beating I got meant he was still connected to me. After every beating... I received gentle love from him. In a way, I craved for those snippets of love, just like an addiction to heroin. It was crumbs of love, but I became hungry for those moments, hungry for those crumbs of love, and I knew I would only get it after I'd been beaten. It sounds insane, but that's what trauma bonding is, and that's what perpetuates the cycle of domestic abuse. I lived in the hope that when our baby arrived, and he saw its little face looking looking at him, he would stop all the violence. He would have more reason to love than to be angry and abusive. Our baby, I was sure, would change him. After all, love wins. Or wars, right? Unfortunately, this is not true with narcissistic abusers. Love does not win. There is no love. Most of the physical abuse happened while I was pregnant and after birth it became even more violent and life-threatening. How my unborn baby and I survived this type of brutal violence, only God knows. During and after my pregnancy I suffered several episodes of strangulation at the hands of John. I was around seven or eight months pregnant and I really thought my unborn baby and myself were going to die that night. Death occurs after three to four minutes of strangulation and after seven to 14 seconds unconsciousness occurs. I lost consciousness on one or two occasions even soiled myself. It was literally a shit show and it's actually quite common for one's body to let go in this manner as you slip into unconsciousness. Two or three minutes longer of John strangling me and my baby and I would have been dead. I really need to voice the facts on strangulation and domestic abuse as a result of this experience. The fact is that strangulation in domestic abuse cases is a huge red flag. History of strangulation places the victim at a higher risk for more serious violence or homicide by the hands of an intimate partner. This type of assault can have serious, permanent or even fatal damage to the victim's throat and brain. Data on strangulation reveals a glaring picture of the severity of this type of assault. One in four women will experience intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And of those, up to 68% will suffer near-fatal strangulations at the hands of their intimate partner. And of those 68% of victims, 97% are strangled by hands. 38% report lost consciousness. 35% are strangled during sexual abuse and 9% are also pregnant 
70% of strangled women believe they are going to die. Only half of strangulation victims had marks on their neck and only 15% of those marks were clear enough to photograph. A victim may suffer from internal injuries that do not appear on the outside, like damage to the carotid arteries, depriving the brain from oxygen, blockage of jugular veins, which prevents the oxygenated blood from exiting the brain. Both can lead to a state of unconsciousness. While closing off of the airways or fracture of the trachea, which is your windpipe, makes breathing impossible. Immediately after the attack, the person may experience intense pain around the neck, vision changes, ringing in the ears, a swollen tongue, cuts in the mouth, ear bleeding, swelling of the neck, difficulty swallowing, trouble breathing, or voice and throat changes. This is notwithstanding the significant mental and emotional trauma of such an experience, including post-traumatic stress disorder. And I can tell you now, that is very true, and probably the worst of it all, is that post-traumatic stress disorder, the emotional and mental trauma a victim suffers after such strangulation. On the 1st of July 2020, a joint statement was issued from the Victims Commissioner and Domestic Abuse Commissioner. The statement stated as follows. Victims Commissioner Dame Vera Baird, QC, and Domestic Abuse Commissioner Nicole Jacobs called on the government to introduce a specific offence of non-fatal strangulation as part of the Domestic Abuse Bill. Non-fatal strangulation is not a failed homicide attempt. It is a tactic used by abusers to terrify victims and send out a clear message that, if they wanted to, they could easily end your life in order to instill fear and compliance in the pursuit of absolute control. It also leaves many victims with permanent health problems. The effects of non-strangulation is thought to be the second most common cause of stroke in women under the age of 45. Did you know that? Research has shown that non-fatal strangulation is a clear indicator of extreme levels of coercive control and violence, with those subjected to strangulation to have an eightfold increase in the risk of death. But despite this, the law is failing victims and survivors where the penalties associated with strangulation do not reflect the significant harm inflicted. There is currently no specific offence of non-fatal strangulation and we see significant undercharging by police and prosecutors who often fail to understand the severity of this crime in a case of domestic abuse. Instead, the police often charge perpetrators with common assault rather than the more appropriate actual bodily harm. A common assault is a summary offence, meaning the offence must be charged within six months, putting further pressure on the victim to deal with the issue in a certain time frame. Not having a freestanding specific offence of non-fatal strangulation results in inadequate risk assessment for victims and survivors, and perpetrators evade real justice. A freestanding offence of strangulation would require the police and the criminal justice agencies to treat cases with the gravity they deserve and sends a strong signal about the severity of this terrifying crime. During the Domestic Abuse Bill's committee stage, Clause 9 was tabled, was aimed to create a new offence of non-fatal strangulation in the context of domestic abuse offences. The government rejected the amendments. However, Clause 9 was retabled to the bill at report stage. But then the amendments were unfortunately not put to vote or accepted by the government. This was devastating news for victims and survivors of domestic abuse. 
The reason why this Clause 9 was so important and needed to be passed is because currently the police are using a system called DASH to assess risk. So it consists of 27 questions put to the victim, with one asking whether the victim has been strangled, suffocated or drowned. A positive response results in one tick, with 14 ticks required for an assessment of being at risk. You need 14 ticks to be considered high risk. It is important to point out the vast majority of local authority areas and in the vast majority of situations, only those who are considered the most high risk will get, for example, access to IDVA, your independent domestic violence advisors. If someone has been strangled, they get one tick of a possible 14. Strangulation is treated as a single tick on the checklist, not as a red flag as it should be. Creating a more serious offence for strangulation should make this significant risk factor stand out in the assessment process, resulting in better protection, a real opportunity to save victims' lives. The DA bill is now at royal assent after being read uh, at committee stage, both at the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Non-fatal strangulation has been included now as a specific standalone offence. So that is a big win for victims of domestic abuse. And uh, we hope and that we will continue to triumph in terms of applying the domestic abuse bill. That's as much as I have to say for today. Our, my next episode will feature how the services and systems, we're talking about police, midwives, doctors everybody, how they all failed me in the time when I needed them the most. And I was pregnant. So, you know, I, I was seen by a lot of healthcare professionals and I slipped through the nets. No one noticed. So this will be an important episode. Before I go, I just need to make some housekeeping announcements. Please check out the podcast page on Instagram and Facebook, Domestic Abuse The Cutting Edge, and on Twitter, at Abuse edge where you can leave comments feedback and questions you can also find all the episodes and transcripts of this podcast at https colon double forward slash domestic abuse the cutting edge dot dot com i also have show notes which signpost the national domestic abuse helpline that number again zero eight zero eight two triple zero two six seven National Domestic Abuse Helpline is a free phone and it's confidential. Or you can leave a message by completing a form on the website nationaldahelpline.org.uk. Please, if you are able to donate to my listener support, please go to the podcast website www.domesticabusethecuttingedge.com and click on the PayPal donate button. All donations will go towards setting up a cluster of support groups for survivors of domestic abuse where victims who have recently left their abusive relationship will find life-saving support and understanding from experienced survivors who've been there and lived it. I am preparing the manifesto and the key principles of the support group. The group will not be a referral or signposting service, nor an advice service, just simply... Survivors sitting down with a cup of tea and biscuits, supporting and listening to each other. A safe space to grow and develop personal journeys to being totally free of abuse in our lives. Page on Instagram and Facebook, Domestic Abuse the Cutting Edge. And on Twitter, at Abuse Edge, 
where you can leave comments, feedback and questions. You can also find all the episodes and transcripts of this podcast at https colon double forward slash domestic abuse the cutting edge dot com. I also have show notes which signpost the National Domestic Abuse Helpline. That number again, 0808-200-267. National Domestic Abuse Helpline is a free phone and it's confidential. Or you can leave a message by completing a form on the website nationaldahelpline.org.uk. Please, if you are able to donate to my listener support, please go to the podcast website www.domesticabusethecuttingedge.com and click on the PayPal donate button. All donations will go towards setting up a cluster of support groups for survivors of domestic abuse where victims who have recently left their abusive relationship will find life-saving support and understanding from experienced survivors who've been there and lived it. I am preparing the manifesto and the key principles of the support group. The group will not be a referral or signposting service, nor an advice service, just simply... Survivors sitting down with a cup of tea and biscuits, supporting and listening to each other. A safe space to grow and develop personal journeys to being totally free of abuse in our lives. Mm -hmm.